Following the footsteps of the letter to the Ephesians, Paul now continues his theme of uplifting, grateful words. And this is probably, Philippians is probably the most encouraging, uplifting, ironic as we'll see because of his personal situation, meant to encourage the followers of Christ. He's, this letter is really a go get them team kind of letter. Uh, it has very, very uh, personal, transparent feel to it. Uh, it really gives us a great deal of insight into the mindset of Paul. He's writing probably in the early 60s again in prison, probably in Rome. Uh, the letter itself was probably penned by Timothy. Paul probably dictated to him. He's later in life and we don't know, is he actually in chains? Uh, but Paul is not in a great situation himself. Uh, he's looking back on his life, thinking about how he's abandoned everything. Uh, everything that was he thought was good, everything that was worthwhile, he let go of it all in order to follow Jesus and wind up dying in prison, but he would gladly do it again. The treasure in Christ he has found, even sitting in prison, suffering, is greater, it is worth all of it. And so Paul is writing to the Philippian church to say, listen, I know my life is difficult. I know your life is difficult. Uh, we're going to see uh, really for the first time now in Philippians, we'll see this more as we continue our study together. Persecution is now starting to build. Christians are suffering. People like Paul are, are having a hard time at it. And this letter is like, look, it is worth it. Keep going. There's so much good here. Um, and so he's writing to the church in a city called Philippi, which this church is actually one that we know from other passages in Acts that he helped found about 10 or 12 years earlier. Philippi was a very important city. It was a gateway between Rome and Greece. Uh, so the, the Roman Empire that had expanded beyond the Mediterranean, this was an important city. And an important aspect of understanding Philippians and also much of the things that we see in the rest of the New Testament is this idea of the emperor cult. Uh, now, the idea was there was something semi-divine about the emperor, and so he used to be worshipped almost among the pantheons of gods. Uh, did I don't want to train wreck it too much, but did people actually believe that the, the emperor was himself a divine being? There's debate about that. A lot of this was probably just political. It was important that they wanted the support of Rome, and so the, the Roman emperor had all the power, so we needed to honor him and whatnot. It was also part of being fiercely loyal. So supporting the empire was supporting the emperor. And so there was, either way, there was this tension that existed between good Roman citizens. I'm a citizen of the Roman empire. Uh, therefore, I have allegiance to its, its, its ruler, Caesar. But now I also have given allegiance and claimed my loyalty and faith to another. And so Caesar was often called Lord and Savior. And now here's Jesus, the Lord and Savior. Is Christos? Curios is Christ Lord or is Caesar Curios? Is Caesar Lord? Which of the two? And this is a constant tension. And you'll now just begin to see persecution and tension trials between those who are trying to be good citizens living in Rome, but also their ultimate allegiance has now changed and been given to someone else. And so many like Paul are finding themselves in prison and facing difficulty. Uh, so what do we do? How do we respond? How do we view life that way? Now, Paul's purpose for writing, he actually tells us that his, his friend Epaphroditus was sent by the church in Philippi to visit Paul in prison, bring some kind of gift. We don't know specifically what it is, but it's important to know that 
uh, prison in the ancient world w- was a rough place. Uh, the the powers that be didn't see it necessary to provide their prisoners with what they needed to live. Uh, if you got put in prison, oftentimes you were if you didn't have family or people to care for you, you might starve to death in prison. So uh, when they knew Paul was in prison, they probably sent food, maybe warm clothing, whatever it was. Uh, but while in Rome, his friend Epaphroditus got very sick, almost died. And Paul is now sending him back to Philippi from Rome to let them know, like send him a message, let him know he's better, he's fine. Thank them for the gift. And I also want to encourage them to stand strong and offer some insight into life. Now, at the heart of this letter is definitely a desire to to see the people who are beginning to face oppression and persecution from the outside, from Jewish Christians telling them to take on circumcision. We saw that in Galatians um, and, and the Roman Empire and all this stuff. He's saying, listen, here's the deal. I want you to focus on one simple goal. Let's let's laser focus. There's so much to get distracted. There's so many things we could worry about. And I think that's so even great today in our world. Like, oh, the politics and all the one simple goal. Here's your focus. Become more like Christ in how you think and how you live. Let that be the aim. Let that be the primary thing you focus on. And so he offers an incredible picture in Philippians about what it what this means in, in one of the great statements about the nature and reality of Jesus, uh, one of it, something many people believe Paul was sort of like his thesis life statement we're going to see in Philippians, focusing on what it means to become like Jesus and let that be what drives us. As you're reading Philippians, uh, something to keep in mind is um, Paul has friendship with the Philippian church. It's central to his thinking. And where he was maybe a bit antagonistic and things with others, like with Philippians, like these are friends. Um, and in the ancient world, part of being friends was a sharing back and forth, standing together, even suffering together uh, against the same persecution or enemies. And Paul sees the Philippian church as close partners in his ministry. He dearly loves them. He appreciates them. He's benefited from them and he wants to now pour into them and say, here's the best advice I can give you. As my friends, here's here's my response. Let me give you the secret to to discovering the good life that God has for you amidst all this pain and trial. And the big idea, the main thing, he'll say it again and again. He'll talk about, I want you to have the mind of Christ. And this calls for people to think and thus live a certain way, the way that Jesus did. It's an expectation of how Christians should act and relate to one another and share in life. For, for Paul, this is essentially to be like Christ in all things. Uh, you know, later generations would sort of bring it down to WWJD, what would Jesus do? Um, in your willingness to treat each other a certain way, but even your willingness to suffer and lay down your lives just as Jesus did, to see the world and see life the way that Jesus did expressed as having the mind of Christ, this Greek word phroneo, the mindset, the way, the the worldview, the way that he thought. Eleven times Paul will use it. Um, It's having the same attitude, the same way of looking at life, seeing greatness and success differently, seeing um, contentment and joy and beauty differently, seeing the world through the eyes of Christ is the one thing Paul wants them to focus on. It's it's the key, the, the, the linchpin that holds this whole thing together for Paul. And so as we briefly walk through Philippians, we'll see this kind of unpack. Uh, he begins in chapter one with greetings from prison. He thanks them for their, their partnership. He thanks God for all of them as well. He labels himself a slave. Um, and I think that's so important. Right off the bat, Paul is saying, part of the mind of Christ, I am choosing to see myself not as 
I'm, I'm not trying to become the emperor. I'm trying to become the least. And I believe that I'm going to find goodness there rather than the strong apostles who, who came with great speed. He's like, I just want to show that I'm here to serve. I'm here to give my life away. Um, you know, which is important because, you know, we see some churches arguing with Paul. Not every church did. The Philippians appeared to love him very much and appreciate him. But this idea of, of being a slave sets the stage for where he's going to go later in the letter. So make sure you hang on to that. And then Paul addresses his situation uh, as a prisoner in Rome. And he, he it's like he, he just chooses to be an optimist. He points out that it's actually worked for good for the, the advancement of the gospel. It's giving hope and removing fear. And Paul's like, yeah, my situation, you know, it is what it is. But man, good things have come out of it. And right there, you're already the mind of Christ is choosing to see God's glory and, and work even in the midst of your difficult situations. Paul sees his time in prison is a win-win and his future is whatever. You know, he could either go on advancing the gospel or die and go be with the Lord. <laughs> that's that's one way to look at potential execution, right? Yeah, either way, either they don't execute me and I keep helping people find Jesus or they do execute me and I go be with Jesus. Either way, he's in Christ and he can be thankful. Like what an incredible attitude. And Paul wants everyone to share in that attitude, to think as citizens of a new kingdom. And here we have this idea of citizens again. Uh, what, what, what kingdom are you a part of? Citizens in the kingdom of the world often see the worst, often think of themselves, often want to promote themselves. Citizens of a new kingdom see the way that Jesus did. They see the way that Jesus lived his life, who saw goodness in God moving even in pain and difficulty. And when you join a new kingdom, there's a new way of thinking, a new way of seeing reality, a new Lord to follow. And so Paul calls us to live as citizens in a new kingdom, taking on the mindset of the king. Okay, what is the mindset of the king? And this is really the, the greatest part of Philippians. I love this. Uh, in chapter 1, verse 27 through chapter 2, verse 18, we see this incredible passage where Paul speaks about having unity through the mind of Christ. And for Paul, there are, there are certain ways of thinking or, or attitudes that divide us and destroy us. They break down our unity and our life in Christ. Then there are mindsets, ways of thinking that build each other up, that give us life, that lead us to true goodness. One way is to have an attitude or mindset of the world, of the, of the kingdoms of the world. And another is to have the mindset of Christ, the King of heaven. And he gives us a clear picture of what that is. And this is so powerful. He says, uh, it's called the kenosis passage. The word kenosis comes from the Greek of emptying. He said, Christ, who being the very nature of God, he didn't, he didn't take that and grasp it and hold on to it and say, I'm going to be, I'm going to make myself powerful. Instead, he made himself nothing, taking on the form of a slave. Remember Paul said, I am a slave. I'm just following Jesus, right? Uh, he is God, but humbled himself and chose to lay his life down for others rather than always grasping for the top. And he's saying, this is how we're called to live, to think like Christ, to be transformed into his image over against our selfishness and greed and complaining and, oh, woe is me and everything's about me. What if we have the mind of Christ that says, actually, what if my life is for others? What if my life is about bringing glory to God and helping other people in their own lives? What if that's a completely different way to view reality? In nature, God surrendered that and became a slave. That's what... Christ is calling us to. And so Paul is modeling it. I, Paul, a slave, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, even in prison, I can see it and feel it. That way is better. It doesn't make sense, but it's better. 
have the mind of Christ. And in chapter three, he offers some warning and kind of an appeal to, um, he picks up on this theme that we already saw in Galatians about those who would try to go back to the law and mutilating the flesh circumcision rather than finding salvation in Christ alone. That's a theme he, he always was reminding churches that. But here Paul gets very personal and he shares his own story. And he basically, his point is it doesn't work. Uh, in Galatians, it was more theological, but now in Philippians, like, look, in my own life, I, I did all of it. I, I was all the things. I did all the stuff I was supposed to do. And none of it mattered when I actually met Jesus. And I love this. He uses a word that basically we translate as, as garbage or refuse. Like all of my old way of living was garbage in comparison to knowing Christ. And it's not just knowing about Christ. There's a, this is a personal word. This is an experiential. I met him. I now have his spirit. And the life he gives me is so much better. And now just think about think about the from the way he's saying this. He's, he's in prison. He's facing execution. And he's saying, this is still better. Everything I experienced in my life, everything I was living for, everything I thought was goodness and greatness, everything I thought I wanted when I was younger, it's all garbage next to the goodness and greatness of having met Jesus, having experienced now, being in a relationship with him. And the life that he calls me to is so much better, which is kind of crazy. You're like, wait, the life he calls you to, Paul, you're in prison. You're suffering. You're, you're about to be executed. How can you say that? What do you mean this life is better? Well, chapter four, verse 10 to 23, man, it's so good. He says, listen, I've learned, and I love that word, like learn. I, I, I have, I've figured it out. I figured it out, guys, that there's a secret to contentment. There's a secret to actually finding the life I'm looking for. And if you know anything about Greek philosophy of the day, everything was about finding the good life, finding what is good, finding the right way to live that brings about the most goodness. And Paul's saying, I have found the secret to contentment. Whether I'm hungry or well-fed, whether I'm hot or cold or my freedom or no freedom, whatever, whatever, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The life that I find in Christ is enough. It gives me everything that I need. And I have found contentment simply by knowing Jesus and following him to the cross. Um, and he demonstrates that such contentment, such the place that our heart longs for comes from choosing to focus our attention and minds on Christ and his goodness, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is noble, think on such things. And so again, you have people who are scared, you know, what's the government going to do to us? You, you know, are we going to make it? Are we going to be allowed? We, there's people arguing with us. There's all this tension and fighting going on in the first century and still in the 21st century. And Paul's saying, you know what? You want to find contentment. You want to find goodness. I've got it right here choose to focus on Jesus, choose to follow him to the cross and become like him, choose to lay your life down the way that he did to serve and love others. And you will actually find goodness, contentment, hope, and peace and goodness amidst the storms, amidst the trials. So what are you choosing to focus on? And that's really his whole letter, writing straight into the anxiety of the situation. That I think so many of us need to hear today. Paul is saying, here it is. Here's the secret contentment. Have the mind of Christ, focus on him, Live the way he's called to live, even if it seems crazy to lay your life down, to die to yourself. I don't want to do that. It's better. Trust me, Paul's saying. I've experienced it. So Philippians is a very personal letter. It's a very encouraging letter. And it's such a great message for so many of us to hear today that in all the madness and all the craziness and all the wildness going around us, here we can say, I'm going to turn my eyes to Jesus 
and find goodness in the life I'm looking for simply by following him and laying down my life wherever he leads. That's the message of Philippians. In many ways, that's the message of the entire Bible. Uh, so um, make sure you spend some time reading it. Take your time in Philippians. Read through the praises and the, the encouragements. In chapter four, think about what in your own life you've been focusing on or choosing to turn your mind to. Is it the things of God or is it the things that are just around you? Um, and, I, and I think we can find Paul's same contentment in our own lives uh, from a guy who's writing from prison. All right. It's a great letter. I encourage you to read it and study it. And uh, yeah, we're going to continue on in our next video. We'll be looking at another very interesting letter that deals with wisdom, his letter to the Colossians. Thanks, guys.